0: Numbers 13, 23 says, Then they came to the valley of Eshcol. They cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. The place was called the valley of Eshcol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. They returned from spying out the land after 40 years. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and, and there, this, this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea among, along the banks of the Jordan. But watch this, Caleb's quieted the people. Calm down, just calm down, he said. Get quiet just a moment. Be still. Don't get anxious. And he said, Let us go up, watch this, at once. There's an urgent plea there. That's an immediate. Now. And he said, take possession. Somebody say possession. And then he says, for he encouraged them, and he said, for we're all well able to overcome it. And I want to preach for a moment on possess the land. Understand I'm speaking to you personally today, but I'm also speaking to us as Mount Holly Church as a ministry. And as we move into this new season and are moving in and moving forward, understand land, the word land in this title and in this scripture, it can mean something personal for you. It can mean God's promise for you, God's future, God's destiny, God's favor, God's provision, God's blessing, God's greatness for you personally. But I believe it also can mean... Something significant for this church. God, how many knows God has a greater land for this church? Greater, a more, an opportunity, blessing, a harvest, revival, miracles. I believe that. I sense that. But I believe it's also up to you and I and the church to take action. See, the children of Israel couldn't just let it come to them. The Bible said they were to go at once and possess it to take it, to take acquisition of. It's a a verb, possess is an action verb. It means to go, to do. And if we want to possess the land personally or for our families, or we want to possess the land for this church, church, we cannot just sit in the chair, on the chair, on the sideline and twiddle our thumbs and, and wait for somebody else to do it or wait for it to slap us on the back of the neck. We've got to get up, roll our sleeves up, and we've got to rise up and do something and take possession. Do I have a witness here today. Come on. And just as Caleb told the people, he said, we must do this at once. I feel an urgency in my spirit in these days. I believe we're living in the last days. And it's time we get down to business. It's time we go and we do. Come on. It's time as we move forward to do. And and Caleb said we must do this at once. We must take possession. And he said we're well able to do this. And can I report to you today, Mount Holly Church, I feel like Caleb. I believe that Mount Holly Church is positioned right. And we are well able to take the land God has for us. Come on. All we've got to do is rise up and do it. Come on. And understand in this scripture, Moses was the leader of God's people. They had just come out of Egypt. They were headed to Canaan, God's promised land for them. The Bible says that Moses asked and he asked some men. He required, he took... 12 men to go over into the promised land of Canaan to check it out, to spy it out. He got 12 men basically because there were 12 tribes of Israel, one representing each twi- tribe of Israel. And I believe he had three main reasons he wanted them to do this. Number one, he wanted them to go over there and see with their very own eyes this land that God wanted to give them. He wanted them to get a vision of where they were moving forward to and where they were about to go. You see, many times, church there has to be a group of people who see something that others cannot see. There has to be a people who feel something and know there's more out there even though everybody can't feel it and sense it. That's why without a vision the people perish. the Bible says, and Moses wanted that group of people to get in their mind this picture of this promised land flowing with milk and honey and that had fruit and grapes on it so big they had to tote the grapes on a pole in between two strong men. Moses wanted them to see this better land, this promise that God had for them with their very own eyes. And then he wanted them to go over there and get a taste of the fruit, a taste of the grapes, get an appetizer of just a little bit of this great thing that that, that was in this land they were heading to. That's why they took the grapes, as the Bible says, as I mentioned, and put them on a pole. Uh, one cluster so big it took men with a pole. And towed it back. And see, many times when God is wanting to do something great or take you somewhere great or let you possess something greater or take acquisition, He will give you a small glimpse or snapshot or a small taste of it beforehand. I haven't been to a mall or a food court in quite a while, but I remember when I used to go, one of my favorite things to do was especially to go to the food court. I didn't care so much about the shopping. I liked the food. And I would walk around the food court. How many of you remember a lot of the restaurants there would have somebody walking in the food court with a platter with little pieces of food and toothpicks and you'd walk by and grab you one, get you a little bite, little taste, little appetizer. You know why they did that? They wasn't doing that just to be nice and kind and sweet, they were doing that because they wanted to give you a little taste and an appetizer of just a little bite of the good food they had on the other side of that counter, on the other side of that counter into that promised land where it was flowing with chicken and, and come on, chocolate chip cookies or whatever it was. <laughs> And you know what it always did to me? I'd take a bite of a chicken nugget or a bite of this. It made me crave and desire. That that just gave me a little foretaste of something better. And it made me want to go up to the counter and get more. That's what God will do sometimes. He'll come into a service just like this. And he'll give us a little taste of his glory. And a little taste of this. And a little taste. And he'll say, oh, if you think you like that, come back again. I've got more for you. And I've come to tell you Mount Holly Church this has only been a little sampling this has only been a little appetizer so far of what my God has for his people and this church get ready cause an appetizer's not gonna satisfy this pastor I want the full plates anybody with me today anybody want more there's a land God has promised this church and you If we won't quit now. He also wanted them to taste or test, I'm sorry, test how they saw themselves, how they saw the enemy, how they saw God. So he sent them over there to get a a vision to see with their own eyes. He he gave them a taste of it and he wanted to test their perception of, of themselves, the enemy and God. Now understand when they got over there, all 12 of these spies saw exactly the same thing. But they came back, this blows my mind with a with a negative different report, some of them. And when they came back with a different report, 10 of them negative, two positive, God would send two million people into the wilderness for 40 years and let them die, listen, because they had a negative murmuring attitude. Understand, the giants that they saw in this promised land did not even matter in this story. They were not even an is- supposed to be an issue, a concern. He said, "You're going to have the." He's already said, "You're going to have the land." God said, "This is your land." These giants shouldn't even be an issue. But they chose to focus on the negative and not the positive when they went over. And listen to me, you've heard it said attitude determines altitude. If you've got a good attitude about a thing, you can go high, sky's the limit. But if you have a negative, stinking attitude about something, it's down, down, and you'll take as many that'll get on your side with you. I refuse to have a down, negative attitude. Come on, we got to get our attitude up, we got to get our faith up, we got to look up. Come on, we're going somewhere. There's a land filled with milk and honey and the blessings of the Lord we're trying to get to. And if we choose to have a negative attitude, God will not use us. He'll look for somebody else. But if you can be a person who sees greatness and potential where others see frustration, God says, that's one I can use and He'll give you milk and honey and grapes that blow your mind. Understand this morning, all 12 of these men, watch, they went over there, they saw the same thing, and all 12 men had faith. But 10 had faith in the giants, and 2 had faith in God ten were moaning about the size of the giants but two were licking their lips over the size of the grapes they saw the same thing but they had different perceptions in other words ten of them were grasshoppers and two of them were giant killers and you see grasshoppers they focus on the problems, and grasshoppers focus on the sickness and the negative report and the defeated and, and the grasshoppers say it cannot be done. Can I remind you what you're up against? That'll never come to pass. That's a grasshopper mentality. But giant killers see possibilities. They say it can be done. Come on. Grass, giant killers talk like victors. They talk victory in Jesus. They talk like it's already happened. And I don't know about you, but I I want to be a giant killer for the Lord Jesus Christ, not some measly little little grasshopper. You see, we'll either have one of three perceptions about ourselves, one who we think we are. And sometimes that can be terrible. Sometimes we can be our own worst critic and we'll go around putting our own selves down. You're nothing. You're a nobody. You come from the wrong side of the track. You can't even get this right. You failed. You, and we beat our own self up and we perceive our own self as an old failed grasshopper who cannot do anything. Secondly, we need to be concerned about what the devil thinks and who he thinks we are. And if we, if we understand who he thinks we are, we'll know that he thinks we're a nothing, we're a nobody, and we're defeated. But thirdly, the most important thing we need to be concerned with is what God says we are, who God says we are, and when we ever get a hold of God's perception about us, then we can hold our head back up high. I'm not talking out of arrogance or pride, but I'm talking about holding our head up high and carrying ourselves in a different way, not out of arrogance, but because we know, hey, I'm a child of the Most High King. I've traded in my filthy garments for a robe of righteousness. I've got royal blood flowing through my veins. I'm a somebody in Jesus. Oh, I'm part of a royal priesthood. I'm part. I've been bought and purchased with a price. I'm a victor. I'm more than a conqueror. I have been elected, ordained, and anointed, and hell cannot do one thing about it. I know who I am. I know whose I am. Does anybody believe that today? Give him a shout of praise. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Hey, it's time we shake off that grasshopper mentality. Who are you? I'm a giant killer. I'm a giant slayer today. Bless God, we gotta get back to that. Now watch this, when they got to the promised land, it was in fact flowing with milk and honey when they got there and it had grapes watch this, this is where, where, where we get into trouble. When they got over there, not only was there milk and honey and grapes, but they found there were some problems and some obstacles in, in getting those provisions. And the reason most people never get to enjoy the grapes or the milk and the honey or they get to possess God's land for them is because they're waiting on a clear, easy, direct shot to it they want the easy way and my goodness if we've ever raised generations today who want to take the easy route it's today that's what we're fighting against today and don't tell me I'm not trying to get too deep and spiritual but I believe it's part of the enemy's plan to get everything so nice and easy that God's people stay laid back church we can't lay back we've got to be militant come on somebody hear me Anything good worth pursuing, there's always going to be opposition. There's always going to be obstacles that rise up. It will never come just easy. I wish it would. There will always be a giant to raise up his head standing in the way. And the giants that these 12 spies encountered were the giants of the sons of Enoch. If you do a study on that, these giants were about nine feet to eleven feet tall—about another foot taller than me. I'm just kidding. No issue. <laughs> a lot taller than me. Wish I could just had a little bit of their height added to me. But they had brass armor. One man's shield alone—watch this—weighed 318 pounds. They were huge. They were big, they were mighty. And when the children of Israel, these twelve spies, or ten of them at least, saw how big and huge and mighty they were, they backed up from the grapes in the Promised Land. They cowered in fear. See, we got to understand today that with God's land for us and God's provisioning, blessing, and promise, there will always come an obstacle And if you're waiting on everything to be easy or the coast is clear before you go after the grapes or the milk and honey where there's no giants and there's no problems, it will never work that way. There's going to be obstacles and giants if you're going to grab hold of the provision. And God will use people and churches who have giants and problems and mountains in their lives yet Yet, yet they see the grapes and they say, We're going for it anyway because we're giant killers, not grasshoppers. See, I'm here to remind us today that He has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. And there's many of you in this room today, God has made you a promise. He's told you that you can have this and He wants to bless you with this and He wants to heal you. and This Word is full of promises that are yes and amen. Wonderful promises. And I'm telling you this morning, every time you go to, 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 to possess those, something will try to stop you. It may be a giant. It may be a mountain. It may be a negative report. It may be somebody telling you it cannot be done. And they may be telling you you better not even try. But I come to tell somebody here, do you not realize and understand you may not be as big as a giant like me, You may not be nine feet tall, ten feet, or eleven feet tall, but if you've got God living on the inside of you, my friend, you've got all you need to defeat the enemy. You've got more than you need. The Holy Ghost is your equalizer. The Holy Ghost is able to empower. The anointing on you will break the yoke and remove the burden. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And if God be for me, then who can be against me? Understand, they murmured because of those giants. They complained. And nowhere in this Bible did the spies say anything about God. But they did murmur against God's provision. Listen, we have to be careful right here. They murmured against God's provision and God told Moses He was going to send them in the wilderness to die. You see, when we murmur against God's provision, we're murmuring against God Himself. And I don't want to see anything hinder you or me from inheriting the promised land. That's why I must warn us today. When we murmur against God's provision, we murmur against God himself. If we murmur against against our companion God has blessed us with, we're murmuring against that companion God gave us and we murmur against God. If we murmur against a church that God has blessed us with and we murmur against the church, we're murmuring against God. If we murmur against the leadership, we're murmuring against God. If we murmur against a job that that a door of God has opened, we're murmuring against God. Amen or owe me. It's the truth. And when these ten did this exactly, see God had promised them this land and they murmured and complained and looked at the negative. And God said, okay, you want to play that game? You're going to the wilderness 40 years to die. You will never see that promised land I I had for you. Watch this. Those who followed the losers became losers. Those who followed the two winners became winners. I don't want to follow the losers, do you? And become a loser. Church, I don't want to just hear about the giants and the problems. And I hear enough negative, don't you? I, I see enough on the news, don't you? I hear it everywhere I go, don't you? I'm about tired up to here of hearing it cannot be done. I'm tired of hearing this and that and then all the negative. Bless the Lord, it's about time we start hearing something positive. Tell me about the grapes. Come on, tell me the grapes of favor. Tell me about the grapes of blessing. Tell me about the grapes of salvation. Tell me about the grapes of healing and joy and the Holy Ghost and revival because I know my God is able today. I know my God is more than enough. I don't need to hear about how big the giants are, how big the problems are. It can ever happen, Pastor. I need to hear about how big my God is. We need to tell the mountain how big my God is. We need to tell our little financial problem how big my God is. We need to tell cancer how big my God is. We need to tell that disease how big my God is. No matter where you are and what you're facing, the key to this whole little story is this. It's in this little line where the ten men said this, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. In other words, we're viewing ourselves, these ten said, as little bitty, tiny grasshoppers on the ground. And because we think we're grasshoppers, All those giants think we are too. I'm here to tell you, your self-perception is contagious. You start walking around with your head down and murmuring and complaining all the time. It's contagious. People will start thinking you're nobody and nothing. Come on. Many times we want to feel sorry for ourselves and use that as a crutch and we want to take what we've been through and, and, all, and try to make somebody else feel bad so they feel like we do. That's wrong. We need to be lifting people up and encouraging people. Come on. We need to throw our head back. Listen, we don't need to worry about what the devil says we are, even who we think we are. We need to get on God's plan and remember who he says we are. If we think we're weak, then people are going to agree with us. If we think we're failures, everybody else will. If we think we're nothing and a loser, everybody else will. And they said we were in our own sight, grasshoppers, and the giants think that too. The worship team would come on. Watch this. Well, Pastor, you're talking a lot about grasshoppers, What's a grasshopper anyway? I'm glad you asked. There's a little bit more about grasshoppers than just going fishing with them or hearing them chirp, being a nuisance sometimes. (laughs) Did you know they come in three different colors? Green, brown, tan, and their number one defense is to adapt to the environment they're in. In other words, the role of a grasshopper is to shut up and just blend in with the crowd. Don't make any noise, don't, don't make a wave, how many knows that's exactly what the devil would like for you and I to be, a grasshopper. Just, just be calm. Just fade into the environment. Blend in. Be okay with what everybody else says and what they're doing. Don't want no more. Don't desire no more. Don't believe for no more. Don't stretch your faith no more. Just be quiet. Blend in with the environment. Just take it easy. That's exactly what the devil wants for you and me and this church. He wants to fit in some folks who who, who you hang with. That's who they are. If you're a Christian and they're a Christian, you'll be a Christian. If you're hanging out with sinners, you change your color. If they're telling dirty jokes on the job, and you're hanging around with them, then before long your old grasshopper mentality takes over and you blend right in and you laugh along when they're jokes and before too long you start telling one yourself, that's grasshopper. Come on. Or that's if you get up with a little group somewhere after church and they start saying, Did you hear him preach all that faith nonsense? That'll never happen. We need to do this. And we need, don't even, oh, that church will never do that. That ministry will never see that. Did you hear about so and so? They just diagnosed with cancer. Oh, poor soul. They're going to die. I'm here to tell you get away from that group. Don't hang with the losers because you're going to lose. You're going down if you hang with that mentality. I'm not being mean. I'm trying to wake us up because we got somewhere we got to go as a church and we'll never get there if we got grasshopper mentality. I refuse to blend, I refuse to associate and be part of the negativity and the faithlessness and the hopelessness. Giant killers go against the grain. Giant killers stand up against the majority reports. Giant killers are Joshua and Caleb speaking up, saying we are well able to do this. It's not easy. It's not fun being in the minority. I'm telling you, God is wanting to do something. Hallelujah. Help me preach and look at somebody and say, are you a grasshopper or are you a child killer? <laughs> Another thing about the grasshopper is they have wings, but watch this, they can't fly. All they can do is hop. <laughs> Got wings, but they useless, can't even fly. I thought maybe they flapped their wings to make all that noise but as I read they rub their legs together some way to do that not even their wings <laughs> a grasshopper can jump 20 times his body size but he still can't fly just hop they hop from here to there to there from this relationship to that to this that to that door to this door this belief to that belief from this crowd to that crowd they, they, they hop from this decision to that decision come on we gotta, gotta get rid of that grasshopper mentality we gotta get some roots dug in the ground so we can grow can only get so far and then they come back down Somebody offends them. They're doing good, and somebody offends them, and then they come back down. Hop up, but come back down. That's grasshopper mentality. But Joshua. And Caleb understood the devil's devices and tricks. And Joshua and Caleb had boldness and confidence. And how many know today we need boldness if we ever needed it in the church? Come on. We need confidence. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God I've got the Holy Ghost. Anybody thankful for, for the Holy Ghost? I refuse to be a grasshopper. And if you've got the Holy Ghost, you can feel a giant killing anointing. come on you. And the greater the giant, the greater the anointed that says we are well able we're well able to possess this land and it's time to get confident and bold and declare my days of being a grasshopper are over I've got wings but they're eagle wings I'm not a hopper I'm a flyer praise God so how many of you are a grasshopper or a giant killer